The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Adam Shine Podcast. Episode 110 of the Adam Shine Podcast. We have an unbelievable featured guest. One of my favorite guys in all of sports media. I've known him for a long time. He was a superstar on the collegiate level as a quarterback, had a really fascinating NFL career, and now he's a superstar for NBC Sports. My guy, Christopher Sims, who has a wonderful show with Mike Florio on Peacock Pro Football Talk every single morning. You see him on Football Night in America on NBC during the football season, has an incredible podcast out. Of course, Chris Sims unbuttoned where he ranks the top 40 quarterbacks every single year. He has great stuff on his podcast. You're going to love the interview. We talk about growing up Sims, what he learned from his dad, the year that he had an opportunity to do some major damage in the playoffs with the Buccaneers. We'll go through his top 40. Texas guy, we'll talk about Arch Manning. Phenomenal spot with Chris Sims, just a a wonderful, wonderful guy and a tremendous guest. And listen, we're taping this on Monday. And, you know, normally we would start, and I do have something funny for you in a second, but we have some breaking news in in sports with Kyrie Irving opting into his his option year. Sham Sharani, our good friend from The Athletic, broke the story. So, Listen, I'm going to be giving you my take on Shine on Sports, obviously, on on Tuesday and all week long and on television on Time to Shine. Our executive producer, our good friend Bob Stew, diehard Nets fan, and I have to give Bob credit, okay? A lot of people just were all over the map on what was going to happen and all the drama and Kevin Durant wants out, which I never bought into, and, you know, Kyrie. Listen, I thought anything was possible with Kyrie. I mean, he lit his Nike money on fire. He, he didn't get the vaccine and lit half his salary last year on fire. I got to give my guy Bob Stu credit. He kept saying on air with me, off air, he guaranteed that Kyrie was going to opt in, going to be back. Bob, the floor is yours. Big Nets fan, you nailed this. You absolutely have to be fired up if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan. Oh, and Sean Marks, I trust Adam, and Sean Marks, I trust. And it's funny, (laughs) because probably a few hours ago, I was saying they should probably fire him if this all goes the other way. Because I was adamant the Nets had to bring Kyrie Irving back, Adam. Because the fact of the matter is, if they don't bring Kyrie Irving back, there's a chance that Kevin Durant is gone, which means the Nets are dead. They're completely dead. All their draft picks go to Houston. The Nets had to bring them back. They had no other choice. They backed themselves into a corner. This was the right move, the only move. 
The only thing I didn't see coming at him was the fact that they called Kyrie Irving's bluff yeah. and they decided to re-sign for one year. I mean, this is as perfect a scenario as possible for the Nets here, right? You can run it back. You have Ben Simmons, which, listen, I heard they have him. I don't know if he's on the team. We're going to find out if he actually plays a game. I mean, that should really be the poll question. Who plays more games next year, Kyrie or Ben Simmons? But that's for another day. The Nets can run it back. They have some pieces. The Nets are an immediate contender in the East again here with of these course. guys running it back. If they lost Kyrie Irving out of I don't know what would happen. I mean, this this could have been the end. I, I have no idea. And it's it's just so funny, though. As a Nets fan, it's so weird because my entire life, the Nets have been, you know, they, they made those those runs to the championship, but they were kind of still pretenders. They were never going to beat the Lakers. They were never going to beat the Spurs. And then the Nets stunk, and no one cared about the Nets at all. And now that the Nets have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they're literally the most hated team in the NBA. So as a Nets fan, it's been a little weird to go from irrelevant to completely hated. But I got to tell you, I did not want to go back to irrelevancy, Adam. I'm fine being hated. Hate the Nets. Hate KD. Hate Kyrie all you want. I just want to be relevant. I'm glad the Nets are relevant. They made the right move in Sean Marks. Wow. I mean, what a great job by Sean Marks, Adam. I can't praise him enough. Just fantastic. Listen, we said after he had the season-ending press conference after Brooklyn got swept, and he said, I want players who are committed. That was his way of telling Kyrie, look, you're not getting a max deal. And, you know, for all the Lakers conversation and all the conversation about the Clippers and sign and trade, then all, you know, the report came out, Agent Wojnarowski had it, that, you know, no one wanted to do a sign and trade for Kyrie because you can't trust him. And here's the deal when it comes to the Nets, right? With Kevin Durant, really, with Kevin Durant and anyone else, Nets are in the mix for a championship. That's, that's the beauty of having someone like Kevin Durant as your centerpiece because he's a top 15 all-time player and he's still in the prime of his career. And watching Steph and the Warriors win again, he's going to have an ultimate chip on his shoulder, which which is great for Brooklyn, and you're going to be hated. That's going to be hated, and that's that's awesome. If you get the Philly version of Ben Simmons, you're in business. Joe Harris comes back. Seth Curry, you're going to have some guys who can knock down some shots. And you know what? Maybe, and you can't trust Kyrie as far as you could throw him, maybe you're going to get a motivated Kyrie Irving. Maybe. Just maybe, you know, hasn't, you know, he didn't like his situation in Cleveland. He, you know, for, forced his way out of a great spot with LeBron, said he was going to retire in, in Boston and, you know, going to hang his jersey from the rafters. He left them hanging out to dry, goes to Brooklyn, never prioritized basketball. But maybe he's humbled because no one in the league wanted him. I'd rather, I'm on record saying I'm a Knicks fan, Bob. You know, the Knicks are irrelevant. Knicks are awful. Knicks need a point guard. I would rather play with four on the floor than, than play with Kyrie Irving. But, you know, he's going to bang the drum. He already, you know, Shams put it out there. Gave the quote to Shams. You know, he's at the end of the day, he doesn't want to leave Kevin Durant hanging. I mean, he's got he's got all the right words and everything. I don't trust him, but that's the kind of messaging that Kyrie needs. And listen, for people like you who want to see a championship, now the Nets are going to be in the mix. If Kyrie Irving, and this is the if, can actually commit himself to basketball, he's a terrific player. So that means whenever you start talking about the Eastern Conference, Bob, this is the beauty. The conversation now starts with Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more, Adam. And it's just it's so interesting how everybody focuses on what happened last year. Last year was a bit of a fluke, right? I mean, you had the vaccination rule, so he couldn't play half of the games. People just forget what happened the year before 
when the Nets were literally an inch away from beating the Milwaukee Bucks and potentially going to the Eastern Conference Finals. The Nets with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and James Harden that year, the Nets were unbelievable. They were the favorite. Injuries hit them literally in that series. They lost Kyrie and they lost James Harden literally yeah. in the same series. Harden played, and he played a lot, but he was terrible. He couldn't jog it. He couldn't hit a three-pointer to save his life. And the Nets lost to the eventual champs by one point. Just think about that. If the Nets could just have Kyrie Irving And remember, and Durant's stay, yeah. on record saying he wears a big shoe because that's comfortable. If he <laughs> wore great. a normal-sized yeah, shoe, wonderful. Brooklyn could have been in the, in the finals that year, and they lost in the second round to Milwaukee, won the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really what hurts. And that's all the thing as a sports fan, too, that you what people always think about, you know, oh, you're the favorite, you know, you'll be back next year. You might never be back again. And that was the first fear I had with the Nets when they lost that series to the Bucks. I go, oh, I mean, they were so close to winning a championship. This team might never get close. But at least with Kyrie Irving coming back, Adam, you nailed it. The Nets are back in the conversations, potentially favorites in the East. And you also said a great thing, too, Adam. You're a Knicks fan. The Knicks have been irrelevant so long. You just do not want to be irrelevant. You don't want to root for irrelevant teams as a That's sports right. fan. For this to happen to the Nets, look, at least they're in the conversation. The next year is going to be exciting. And you know what? We'll worry about all the draft picks they don't have and the future of Kevin Durant another day. This is a great day to be a Brooklyn Nets fan. By the way, the beauty is, right? I mean, and this is the world we live in, right? I was so thrilled. You know, we're done with our radio show, TV show, Get Home News Break. So it'll be on a Tuesday on our podcast. It'll be on our radio show, on our TV show. And then, you know, Theo, who's sports obsessed, obviously fired up. And, you know, he's breaking it down with me. And then he says, Dad, he comes home from his uh, first day at camp. Let's go out. We've been playing a ton of wiffle ball. I don't know about you. Growing up, I played a ton of wiffle ball. I was baseball obsessed, obviously, Little League. You know, I didn't go to sleepaway camp. You know, all-star teams, playing with my friends, stickball, wiffle ball. I was obsessed, and I, you know, I bat lefty. And I, I was a great contact hitter. And it was nothing like hitting, you know, bombs playing wiffle ball. And all Theo wants to do is play wiffle ball. It's so cool. It's so great. But the thing is, you know, we, the club that we go to where we swim, he's got a bunch of friends. He's always, you know, organizing, which I love. I'm obsessed with, you know, a wiffle ball game. So I joked yesterday on a Sunday when he was playing with his friends, you know, and he, you know, is there pegging? Is there stealing? Are there walks? Are there strikeouts? If it's only two on two, you know, you got to play with two outs, three outs. So I joked, you got to, you got to check the, the club rules, you know, the club oh, wiffle yeah. ball rules, right? So obviously there's no club wiffle ball rules, right? That's being facetious. Theo obviously knows that. Bob, today, he went home from camp, and he made a list of wiffle ball rules for the club. <laughs> he, he, like, put the, the club's logo at the top. I have to, like, I tweet out or put a picture on Instagram. He has 15 rules now. So he's, <laughs> he's, he's a great lefty hitter. He loves playing. He's one of those kids, always needs a ball in his hands. But I feel like at the same time, he's umpiring every single pickup wiffle ball game, basketball game, because he's just a stickler for the rules. And now he literally is going to carry with him a sheet of rules. Listen, don't give, don't have Theo give those rules to Rob Manfred because they might be instituting <laughs> some Major League Baseball games soon, Adam. I mean, there's nothing better than wiffle ball. It's oh. just so fantastic. I love playing wiffle ball. I got to tell you, I was a much better baseball player than wiffle ball player. I just can't hit the slow stuff. I can't hit the slow stuff. Adam. Well, and also, if you can, the ball's curving and you got the yeah. thin bat. And the thing is, like, I was a great contact hitter growing up. Yeah. When you're playing wiffle ball, all you want to do is hit bombs. 
That's, that's all you want to do yeah. is hit bombs. And watching that thing go all over the trees, I mean, you know, I, I just turned 45. I, I, I'm outside. I'm playing with the girls, Katie, before the girls went to camp on uh, over the weekend with Theo. We're having a family wiffle ball game. All I'm trying to do is hit bomb after bomb after bomb. There's nothing like on a summer night coming home from work playing wiffle ball with the kids in the backyard. But now... Now we have rules. So now, now i got to study the rules before I start playing wiffle ball. Oh, good luck, Adam. Oh, you got, you got a handful there with Theo. Good luck with that. Um, he <laughs> loves to play it. He loves to boss me around. Uh, speaking of fathers and sons, Chris Sims, son of our guy Phil, he talks about everything he learned from, from the big fella, as he calls it. Chris Sims, featured guest on the Adam Shine Podcast. He joins us next. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everyone. Jen Piacenti here, host of Sticks and Stacks, the podcast that brings you the very best action from the world of hockey and baseball. Each week, myself, Sean Drotar, and Nate Lundy will bring you our best picks and talk you through the props, bets, and fantasy advice that can help you become the best fantasy manager in your league or even just help you win some money. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or listen on the SXM app, free for most subscribers. The future guest this week on the Adam Shine podcast, one of my all-time favorites. He is a superstar at NBC Sports. You watch him on Peacock with our friend Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, absolutely incredible co-host of Pro Football Talk Live. And the podcast, Chris Sims Unbuttoned, is absolutely sensational. Our guy, the great Christopher Sims. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, man. Thank you. It's a great introduction. I don't know about superstar or whatever else, but I do love the fact that you call me Christopher. I love that. That's where I know my dad is worn off on you. <laughs> I was the family because only my closest call me Christopher or people that I know have been around my mom and dad a lot. So you, you got a little bit of both there, but I love the Christopher. <laughs> what I love too, and, and I, I'm glad you picked up on that, obviously. Of course you did. 
you know, when I when I talk to your dad on the air, he calls you Christopher, and then he'll catch himself and be like, ah, oh, it's Adam. I can still call him Christopher. But all fair, you know, if we're just having a conversation, shooting the breeze about the NFL, and he wants to drive a point home, he'll say, well, Christopher was studying this. Christopher, I heard him say this. So it's the ultimate respect that your dad has for you and what you've done. So that's what it is, right? Only a select few can get away with calling you Christopher. Uh, you got to be in the club. You got to know me and know my family. And you're in the club. But we've known each other for a long time. And of course, your dad's relationship goes way back. And then I got to work and do some shows with you, you know, for a few years. So, yes, it's really only my closest of friends. Really, none of my friends call me Chris. It's really family, you know, and then a few family friends who have been around since I was little. That's where Christopher is. And yeah, it is good. Hey, listen, I, I hear you. I, I know dad is. He throws my points out there a lot sometimes to people and, and uses my points to defend some things out there. And that is a, a sign of respect for my father, who, of course, has been around the NFL and knows a whole lot for a long time. And you obviously have done so much in, in your broadcasting career. And, you know, I mentioned all the different things that you're doing. One of the most respected voices who talks NFL, studies the NFL. You know, growing up Sims, obviously, you know, you got to understand what your dad did as, as a phenomenal quarterback and then right. as a game analyst and in studio. How much did you learn from your dad? Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, almost everything, I want to say. You know, first off, I mean, just growing up and being around it. And, you know, I was one of those kids, and I think you know this enough now from probably hearing stories, where I was obsessed with the sport at an early age. I was always asking questions. I mean, I think my dad would tell you I knew every player and their number, jersey number, and the whole NFL at like four and five years old. I was kind of that kid. So I was really always tuned in, always picking his brain. And I think, you know, as far as his playing career, I learned so much just about, one, the approach to the game and how serious you got to be about it, work ethic, you know, the, the, the time and commitment that it takes to be good at the sport or anything, whether you want to be good at anything. That's something that Dad certainly instilled in me, whether he wanted to or not, just by watching him and his actions. And then his ability to handle adversity, you know, and handle the New York media, you know, that taught me a lot. It taught me about life, people, sports, how to handle the media, how to handle criticism. And then, of course, I started getting into the sport a little bit myself. And that's where dad never pushed me. But he was always like, hey, listen, you want to be good at it, you, you better work at it. That's all I could tell you. You better work at it because there's kids out there that are hungry and they want it and whatever else. And so I think all the, the basic staples of trying to be successful were certainly instilled from my father, let alone – a lot of life lessons I learned along the way, uh, of course, because, yeah, you're the son of a the quarterback of the New York Giants, and you hear people say bad things, jerky things, good things, and you kind of learn to take it all in stride, and it helps you mature and grow up as a, as a human and as a sports player as I got into my own you know, sports life as well. And it's interesting. You talk about your – that's a great answer on, on your dad and what you learned from him. And, you know, your sports career as, as a decorated quarterback, high school, then college, then, then the pros. And I've said this to you before, Chris, and I want to hit you with this early in, in, in the interview. Your, your career in Tampa – I mean, I go back to that throw you made in the, in the Washington game to Adele Shepard in the back of the end zone. 
you you were so great that whole year, all the comebacks. You know, you played so yeah. incredibly well. Your teammates love you. I thought you and your Tampa teammates could have made a run. How often do you ever think back of that moment? Because to me, that's one of the what-ifs for you, for the Buccaneers. Like, I thought you guys could have won that game, should have won that game, and you guys yeah. could have made a run. Yeah, it's one that hurts, certainly. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a year that is, uh, was a great year in my life. Loved it because it was, like, as you're explaining, really the only year I was a real starter in the NFL. You know, it was kind of the jump-off point to finally going like, hey, I'm finally the starter here. I'm the guy. I'm going to be the guy going forward. And then, you know, next year I had the injury and all that. But that's why that's, that year, you know, is special and I think even extra special because I had the injury, you know, not long after it the next season. But that team that year, yes, we were we, – we, it was there to be had, at least in the NFC, at least to get us to the NFC Championship game. Yep. I won't disagree with you. I'm not trying to disrespect the Washington franchise. Yes, I thought we were better than them. We beat them in the regular season. We outplayed them in that wild card game. I mean, we had some – we had a few things go wrong in that game. We really did. We had the Adele Shepard-Calvin Johnson rule. That yep. happened to us. Yep. We had the – I threw an interception. They got tipped pass at the line of scrimmage. It went up in the air. LeVar Arrington caught it. He returned it to the two-yard line. He fumbled it, and we recovered it. But at that time, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't challenge the fumble on the field ruling, if you remember that. Yeah. So that hurt us. We had the Sean Taylor picked up a Cadillac Williams fumble and returned it 55 yards for a touchdown. And, yes, we were so close. And, yes, in that year where the Bears were a really good defensive football team but struggled on offense, and if you can remember there – they benched Kyle Orton to go with Rex Grossman back in the playoffs. They got upset by the Carolina Panthers in the divisional round, who we had won the division in the NFC South, and we felt like we were better than Carolina that year. The team that was going to be the team, of course, was the Seattle Seahawks. I do think they were clearly the best team in the NFC that year. Could we have gone up there and beat you know, Matt Hasselback and, and uh, damn, the running back, I'm blanking on his name. Sean Alexander, I, uh, yeah. Sean Alexander, yeah, right. I don't know if we could have done that, but I do think that we were certainly in the top tier of the NFC that year, and that's definitely one that still hurts me, Shiner. It really does. Yeah, I'm telling you, you, you played brilliantly that game. You, you played brilliantly that, that season. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, watching you play, thinking and following your, you know, high school career, college career, and that could have been special. And then, you know, it's interesting. Whenever you broadcast, whenever you have commentary, and we'll get to your list, which is incredible, in the top 40 quarterbacks for this season, I always feel like for you, there's such an amazing reference point, right? I mean, you grew up Sims. You know what it takes. You've, you've been the starter. You've been the star. You've been the, the golden child. You've been the backup. You've been someone yeah. who's had to struggle and claw coming back from injury. How much does your career give you great perspective now as an analyst and as a host? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, sometimes I, I look at it and go, man, maybe my whole football career and everything there was really just set up for me to be what I'm doing now. And maybe this is my real calling. And the fact that I got some of those experiences and things certainly does cross my mind a lot. It does. Uh, I, I, I joke with Florio on pro football talk a lot. I call myself a historian. I am the kind of guy that can tell you the score of every Super Bowl, the MVP, yep. You know, I'm very good recall that way. I'm a, I am a historian of the game. I love it. I am the kind of guy that, like my wife will tell you, 
I'll sit in bed, you know, on a Wednesday night and put on YouTube and go, well, I'm going to watch this old game from 1984. <laughs> like, that's just what I'll do. It's Love just like, that. oh, I'll, I go to sleep, I'll do that. So, uh, yes, I think with growing up in it, um, of course, growing up with your dad as a quarterback, then a quarterback that was coached by Bill Parcells, who's one of the ultimate message guys in the history of the sport. And then those messages were being passed to me at home, you know, to be able to see that, like you said, my own career, and then to watch dad do his announcing. And I got to learn that as I was playing. And I almost learned through osmosis that way. And then of course, you know, I got into it and even got to see low level coaching with the new England Patriots. So I've gotten to see a lot of it, and it has helped me. It helped me with the perspective of knowing the whole business in the NFL. I think that's the biggest thing. I can relate to the guy who got cut and didn't make the 53-man roster, and I can relate to you know being a starting quarterback and a lot of other things within the league. And it, it helps with my info and helps me maybe convey things that are going on in the league a, a little bit more clearly. And you hear that on your podcast. You hear it with Florio on Pro Football Talk every morning and obviously on Sunday Night Football on the pregame show on, on NBC. And now, Chris, with that said, I want to get into the top 40 list because I, I cool. look for – I love it. I'm obsessed with it. I, I, and ever since the whole Blake Bortles thing where you were light years ahead of the curve, <laughs> I mean, you know, th- this list and, and Lebertard always has fun with that. You, you, it's so well done. It's so well structured. Now – before we get into everything that I love and a couple questions I have for you, explain to me and the audience what right. this list actually is. Right. Well, right now, it's about what you are right now. It is for this moment. Is there a little projection involved in car, like a oh, first year quarterback to a second year quarterback or a second year quarterback? Sure. Has a to little be, yeah. bit. But yeah, but for the most part, it is about what you are right now at this second, and then it has nothing to do with career achievements or anything like that. So, yes, Tom Brady, I know he's the go-to-goats, but he's not number one in football right now in, in 2020, you know, going into the 2022 season. But he is the GOAT. I understand that. So that's the, I try to look at it that way. I try to do it to shine where we're all on the same team. We all got the same offense. We don't have Kyle Shanahan or McVay or all whatever. We just got a good basic offense. You don't get the tricks or some of the, you know, uh, just the nuances of the greater coaches. And then I try to evaluate the players really on like four categories that, that are important to me as far as this is concerned. One, pure physical ability. I mean, arm, legs, you're, what you can do there. You know, a second, the smarts, the decision-making, situational football, how do you do all that? Third, leadership, effect on the football team. I think that's really big and doesn't get talked about a whole lot or maybe not enough with quarterbacks. And then fourth, like in the pocket, you know, moving in the pocket. What do you do with pressure in the pocket? How do you move within the pocket? And then, you know, being able to get out of it at times as well. So those are really the main things there. I think if you're looking at it, I'm almost looking at it almost like it's my 40-man depth chart for my football team at the quarterback position. That's kind of how I do look at it. And, uh, yes, I try to really, again, take bias at it what they were four years ago. My favorite quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. I've Mm -hmm. stated that many times. That doesn't mean he gets to be number one just because he's my favorite. So I really try to do my best to study and go back and watch film and write notes and be as unbiased about the situation as possible. Your top five, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, who I'm like you, um, 
I'm obsessed with, most talented uh, thrower of the football to me ever that I've ever seen in the history of the NFL right. at the quarterback position. I think you nailed it with Josh Allen. What made him number one on your list? Yeah, I, I just think the last two – listen, I know in Mahomes in totality, he's still greater than Josh Allen. I really – I made Mahomes number one last year, and I really thought it was splitting hairs to where I think you could have made an argument after the 2020 season that you know, Josh Allen might have played better football. But this year, I don't think there was any doubt about it. I really don't. One, I don't think there's a, a one-man show bigger or more important to their football team right now than Josh Allen. That's the first thing I'll say. First off, the physical about ability is off the charts. Him and Mahomes, it's the best arms in the game right now. There's no doubt about it. And I would say Allen, maybe not quite the magician, but is more capable of explosive throws uh, than Mahomes is. These, still, these are all-time great arms, these two guys. Allen, other than Lamar Jackson, is the best running quarterback in football. There's nobody better. He's a phenomenal scrambler, and then, come on, it's third and two. Hey, we're going to pull the guard and ask Josh Allen to run behind him, and, hey, break it for 40 yards or lower your shoulder like Cam Newton used to do and run over a linebacker. He's insane that way, and I think where he passed up Mahomes this year, in my opinion, and, again, we got to you know remember, there was a four- or five-game stretch in the middle of the year here where Mahomes played really below-average mm -hmm. football. Mm -hmm. He was – not good in the pocket. He left the pocket too much. He was way too greedy with decision-making. And they struggled really because of him. I know Allen had some struggles too, but where I would argue and go, Allen's support system was not on the same level as Patrick Mahomes either. I mean, again, he had Tyree Kill, Kelsey, you know, McCole Hardman. I know we saw Gabriel Davis go off in the divisional game against the Chiefs. He had 500 yards receiving last year. I hope it's really good. But he has Stephon Diggs and a bunch of other guys that are good, not great. And I just think with that, but really the Allen decision-making in the pocket, I thought that's where he passed up Mahomes this year. He's got the same leadership and effect on the football team. They're both amazing in the pocket. They're great players. But for me, yes, there's no doubt Josh Allen is the number one quarterback in the game right now. I think Allen is clearly number one. I thought when I saw who your top five were going to be, because this is how yeah. I would rank it. I thought Rodgers was going to be your two, knowing you and how much you love right. him. And also coming off the MVP season and looking into the crystal ball, even though obviously no Devontae Adams. To your point on Mahomes, just to even back it up, if you yeah. had him five, I would not have argued that. Or four, I wouldn't have argued that. Herbert has everything you want. Burrow has everything you want. Take us through how you separated two, three, four, and five. Yeah, sure. I, I do think I look at it like I, I would say I would look at Allen and Mahomes in almost their own little tier for right now. Okay. And, you know, I, I will say, and, you know, Mahomes, I understand your thought, and I respect it. I don't think you're totally crazy there. Where I think I'm a little different maybe than some other people is I, I do put more into – aggressive decisioning decision making putting your putting your foot on their throat when oh no they're gasping for their last breath uh oh we're up by seven there's a guy middle of the field wide open oh man or not wide open but open and it's got to be aggressive throw down the field oh man he makes it he puts this team away all right and that's where i did not expect to go into this shine thinking like i was going to make aaron Rodgers number five i didn't i really thought he would be two or three but as I started to go back and watch the majority of the throws from the season, and as the season progressed, I just sat there and I kept, as I was writing notes, I went, well, Burrow and Herbert are just getting better and better as the year goes along. Yeah, maybe not quite as smart as Mahomes, 
but not so far. I mean, uh, Rodgers, excuse me, but not so far off to where I go, oh, wow, they're really, they're really handicapped in these areas compared to, to Aaron Rodgers. And then where I started to really go, oh, man, maybe they passed them up. It's just, again, I think the playmaking, the aggressive decision-making, the ability to make things happen when nothing was there. And Rodgers, I know we have the 49ers football game. That's the game to look at. That's kind of the microcosm of what I'm talking about for the whole year. I showed some plays on pro football talk. There's, there's seven or eight plays in that game, maybe a few more, where you go, wait, you're Aaron Rodgers. You've you got to stand in the pocket and make this throw. Like He's, right. he's open. It's a 30-yard game down the middle. You can't just go, oh, it's the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm going to check it down, and we'll just win by out-executing him and not mess up the game. No, you know what happens then? All of a sudden, the team that doesn't, shouldn't be in the game with you is one block punt away from winning the damn game because you didn't do it. And to me, that's where I came back to a lot with Rodgers. There was even a lot of games where they won against, uh, I want to say, well, I'm, I'm going off the top of the Ravens late in the football season. They had yep. the Browns game late in the season where they really controlled the football game, and Rodgers let them back in it with being, uh, you know, it's too careful in my opinion. And that to me is where Herbert and Burrow passed Rodgers up this year. Burrow and Herbert, when you just watch them, they make so many plays where you go, oh, my gosh, the protection's not good. Nobody's open. What? They still got a 30-yard game? That's where I think it started to sway my opinion. And then I started to look at it, whoa, in big game football, I'd rather have those two. Those two are going to go down swinging. They would never go down that way against the 49ers. I just think they're a little less careful, a little less political about the game. I think they're a little more dangerous at the position right now than Aaron Rodgers. Right now, and I'm sorry for this long answer, Sean. This is perfect. I'm learning a lot. All right, good. Right now, to me, the NFL is set up for the quarterback 2022 to go out and win the game. Yeah. You you, you know, to me, the guys that play careful and play not to lose the game, yeah, those are the guys that we always go, oh, man, I wish there was a little bit more there. Burrow, Herbert, Allen, Mahomes. Man, they go out. They go out with their best punches, and to me, they're just so four, four guys that are physically talented, and then have all the other tangible assets behind it. To me, does I just think they passed up Rodgers this year. It's a brilliant answer, Chris, and it really explains it. I, I'm obsessed with Herbert. I'm obsessed with Burrow. You just had a one-on-one with with Joe Burrow, and and the interview on your podcast on, on the podcast YouTube feed. It's incredible. I love when you chop it up with quarterbacks because. Look, you know how to speak their language and get the most out of them for the viewer, for Thank the you. listener. What what was that like? Because Burrow has it, right? Every Whatever it is, Without. he has it. So what did you learn about Burrow? What makes him tick? Right. Well, it, I, always, I always say it is like intangibles plus talent. That's how I <laughs> right, kind of look right. at it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's that's what it is like oh wait he's got it well what's he got well he's got a lot of talent that's what so because guys follow talent they go oh damn he's good let me hang out with him he's a baller and then the intangibles and the ability to lead be a jerk but be a jerk in the right way be their best buddy in the right way make them feel good let's drink a beer he has a special special it's weird to say this humble cockiness about him yeah all right that's yeah. where it's He's he's not looking for attention. He doesn't want it. He doesn't care about it. He just wants to play football and get better at his craft. 
and then he has an aura and it just it exude it just it just melts off him of I'm the man and I'm really good and he can do it without being arrogant and to where you just go man his, you could feel his self confidence he's thought out he's smart he's not afraid what I loved about it is year, his number one pick in the draft year one he plays pretty good he tears his ACL he comes back he goes you know what I got to improve some things forget my knee I know I got to get that healthy. But I play in the AFC North. We got some receivers here. I got to be able to throw the ball with more power, cut through the wind in the AFC North, and do all that. He makes that adjustment at that young of an age to realize that after only playing 10 or 11 games as a rookie. To me, just so mature. He's the natural. That's what I look at him as. He's the natural. The guy can just play quarterback. He's amazing in the pocket. He can do it all. And he just, you could see why the team loves him and he's changed Cincinnati. When you put your first 16 down, because I did this blindly knowing that I was going to want you on the podcast, I yeah. thought the first 16 were easy and obvious. Debate the order, but the 16 names draw the line after Cousins. Easy. Yeah. Did you find it that way? I, I do. I, I, I think you're spot on there. Like the, I do think. Baker Mayfield is close into that conversation as well, who I had at 17. I do, and I think people are disrespecting him a little bit there. But, yes, I feel like that range right there, the names to me were pretty clear cut. Uh, and, and uh, again, I don't want to sit here and read them off. But, uh, yes, the guys behind that are young, question marks, don't know if I can trust them, leadership issues, there's just, I think after those guys, you know, after that top 16, there, there's more than one question about the player and what he can offer to the football team. Like Kirk Cousins, he's damn good. He's number 16. He can do it all. He just has like one flaw. I mean, or not, I don't want to say one flaw, but his ability, if things aren't correct, if the pass protection is not great, if people aren't open, he's not going to make too many plays off schedule or do anything for your team that way. But if he has a Shanahan and McVay, who can, like, hey, just listen to me and be a robot? You know, he'll carve your ass up all day long. But <laughs> he's not going to do some of that Mahomes, Allen, Burrow stuff we're talking about where nobody's open, nobody's protected. Oh, hey, no problem, Joe Burrow. You got the worst offensive line in football. We're still going to go to the Super Bowl and make it happen. Like, that's, that's insanity. And that's the talent, I think, of the top five as compared to maybe some of those guys in the middle of the list. Stafford 6, Wilson 7, Brady 8, Prescott 9, Jackson 10, Carr 11. I do like that range with uh, Prescott to Carr. I might have even gone Carr ahead of Prescott, but that's that's just minor. Murray, Watson, Ryan, Tannehill, and then Cousins. Matt Ryan, Ryan, Tannehill, Kirk Cousins. It's a really excellent list. Here, let me give you the two that stand out in the early 20s. Daniel Jones at 21 to uh-huh. me was high and whenever you talk Zach Wilson I'm paying attention because to me Chris there's an I don't know attached to Zach Wilson which you know right. not necessarily great in sports radio and TV but there's an I don't know I don't see it smart people like you do I'm fascinated to see this year what Zach brings to the table first full season first full off season you know Joe Douglas had a great off season why Jones 21? Why Wilson 22? Well, yeah, I know. And, you know, and I understand that because they're in front of guys like Jalen Hurts. But uh, what I would argue is go, I just go first off, like the Eagles, the Eagles fans, they could say what they want. They'd be more excited about their team if they had Daniel Jones or Zach Wilson as their quarterback going into the year. 
They would, and nor do they have to play a certain offense to hide the deficiencies of the quarterback. That's the thing. So first on Daniel Jones, it's hard to know exactly what Daniel Jones is because I, I'm, not, I'm not overstating this. I know this is going to – like, and we just talked about Joe Burrow and that offensive line. Daniel Jones and the Giants, it wasn't maybe the worst offensive line in football or one of the top worst or one of the five worst. It has been the worst offensive line in football. There is no doubt about it. It is unquestionable for the last three years. So it's hard to play quarterback when you have to look at the first guy and then look down to go, wait, can I throw to him or am I going to get my head knocked off here? So he has to play that way. Horrible offensive line, no run game. I would sit here and go, he's the best player on their offense. I mean, he's a phenomenal runner. If people are open, he's going to hit the bullseye and throw it. Now, can he play some backyard football and be a little bit more that way? I wish he would. Yes, that's where he's still a little robotic in the pocket, but it's three offenses in three years, and it hasn't been easy, nor has it been great talent around him. So I am a little bit of a believer in Daniel Jones. I do when I see things and go, oh, wow, he's got a little protection here, and they're not totally overwhelmed by the opponent they're playing. He does a lot of really good things. He's tough. He's smart. You know, he has a good arm. It's not a great arm. And then, like I said, he's up there towards the top of football as far as running quarterbacks. I mean, there's not too many guys that I could say can go off the edge for 70 yards. And Daniel Jones is one of the few guys that can do that. So that's where I like him. And he's been their best running game effect the last few years. So that's where I just go – that's where the list becomes hard, Shine, because you've got to try to block out some of the crap that we look and blame the player, and then I sit here and I wish we could watch film together and go, well, here's 20 plays that don't look good on Daniel Jones, but I'd probably go, look at 18 of these. What, what do you want him to do? He, he's getting the ball. He's getting hit. Nobody's open. What it is that we can't always blame the quarterback, so that's where I'll defend Daniel Jones. Then when you get into Zach Wilson, shaky start, no doubt about it. But, again, let's not forget early in the year, yeah, he's young. It's a new coaching staff. It's a new offense altogether. They have, they're as injured as maybe any team in football. I mean, throughout their roster, offense, defense, everybody. He comes back after the knee injury, and even before the knee injury, did some things where I went, whoa, that's special. Whoa, look at that run. Whoa, okay, I know he's been a little off target this game, but there was like six or seven throws in the game where I go, there's only like five or six quarterbacks, in my opinion, that can make those type of throws. And I think when he came back from the knee injury, you started to see more and more of that. There is a wow factor with me, Zach Wilson. There is. I think he is smart. And I think out of the rookie quarterback shine, I think he, other than Mac Jones, was asked to run the most legit NFL offense. It wasn't pampered to him or let's throw a screen here and worry about his completion percentage. He was asked to stand in the pocket and really make reads down the middle of the field like some of the more advanced quarterbacks in football. And, yeah, that led to some bad stuff. But, man, it led to a lot of good stuff at the end of the year. And I thought he really played really well at the end, let alone wowed me a bunch of times too. And that's why I got him where I got him. Uh, the list is incredible, Chris. And final question I have for you before before we go. Arch Manning going to Texas, your alma mater. Uh, I, I'm fascinated to get your take, your thoughts. You know, obviously, you know, you're, you're from a football family. He's from a football family. You know, can you imagine NIL when you were playing? My goodness. Gosh, what what, damn, what right? a coup for Texas. <laughs> it was. It's amazing. It really is. I, I guess the first thing I'll say, amazing for Texas. Hopefully this can get us 
you know, back on the national scene because, you know, I don't know any other to say. We're, we're just we're kind of an embarrassment as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, we are. I mean, just yeah. nobody drafted in the NFL draft. We're 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 ranked in the top 25 every year, and we shouldn't be. We're just ranked there because our name's Texas. Like it's, it's, we're not really worthy of that. So that's where I look at it and go, man. Hopefully, he can replicate a little bit of what happened when I committed to Texas as being the number one quarterback. All of a sudden. The number one receiver in the class wants to come. And then the next year, the number one running back in Cedric Benson. And then all of a sudden, Roy Williams wants to come there. And all of a sudden, the best corner in the college, in, in, in high school, wants to go there. And all of a sudden, you look up two years, three years later, and you go, holy crap, we got an NFL football team here. <laughs> I mean, that's what happened to us at Texas. All of a yeah. sudden, it was like, man, both our tackles are top five picks. You know, running backs are top five pick. Receivers are going in the first round. Tight ends, awesome. Defensive players everywhere. So that's where I'm excited for Texas. I'm shocked that Arch Manning went there. I did not think he was going to leave SEC. I did not. I really thought he would stay within the SEC. It's just, of course, his family is so indoctrinated into the the, the fiber of that conference. I thought ultimately he would stay there. Uh, so there was there. I was a little surprised, but really cool to see for Texas. And uh, I'm I'm excited to see what Arch Manning does down there. I really am. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait for it. And you're right. The recruiting domino effect is something special, Chris. Right. It is, it is amazing. I'm, obviously, you know how much I love your work, and I want everyone to make sure they check out your, your podcast. And you put a lot of time and effort into the Chris Sims top 40 at the quarterback position. Keep up the great work, my friend. I know the audience really appreciates it, and we'll talk to you again real soon. You know it, man. Anytime you want me, Sean. Great talking to you, buddy. Our guy, the great Chris Sims. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine Podcast. Christopher Sims, how awesome was that? Thanks to our listeners on SiriusXM, our listeners on Pandora, listeners on Apple Podcasts, and with Stitcher. We record the Adam Shine Podcast all year round, so please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can always catch me every weekday on my SiriusXM radio show, Shine on Sports, which airs from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. The Adam Shine Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer of the Adam Shine Podcast, the great Bob Stew. The associate producers, Chris Tyler and Andrew Emmer. Sound design by my guy, Robert Moore. And special thanks to SiriusXM Senior, Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the iconic Steve Cohen. SiriusXM Podcasts. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.